This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Brent Roski is truly a political animal. With a background in entertainment and politics, he's run for office, directed feature films, produced Emmy Award-winning shows, worked on campaigns, and is currently on the Hawkeye State Airwaves with Roski on Politics, a show focusing on Iowa's public officials, campaigns, and news, which makes him kind of ideal for political theater. Roski, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Always great to hear from you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. A real quick background on us. I first met you when you were, were doing Chasing the Hill, which was a web series about a, uh, a fictional congressional candidate played by Melissa Fitzgerald of the West Wing. You mixed in real political figures like Gray Davis in California, former governor of California, with the fictional ones. Richard Schiff also, like Toby on the West Wing, was involved in the project. And we covered that as part of Heard on the Hill for Roll Call. And then you ran for Congress yourself in California. That didn't work out, but not chasing. You decided to go all in, moved to Iowa, started uh, covering politics for the first iteration of Roski on politics. And the next time that I saw you in the 2016 election, you were everywhere. You were on the front page of the Des Moines Register interviewing political figures at the, at the debates and so forth in the run-up to the caucuses on the coldest nights that I can ever remember. <laughs> and, and then made a, a, a run, another run for office, running for governor. Then you worked for John Delaney's presidential campaign. And now you're back with another iteration of Roski on politics in the run-up to the 2020 election. I marvel at the energy. What keeps you coming back in, in, in these ways? As I said, you've got it all in the from an entertainment perspective and your background there. You know like so much about that world, but then you take that and apply it to politics. And let's just talk about your journey to this point. Well, you know, Chasing the Hill was supposed to get this out of my system. So Richard Schiff played Toby and he had a writer's group. There were 17 of us and we'd meet at his house or over at my place there in L.A. And Robin Weigert was nominated for an Emmy. She played a Calamity Jen on Deadwood and she's in Chasing the Hill as well. She's the, the lead of Chasing the Hill. And Melissa Fitzgerald is in it. And then she stars in Courting Des Moines, which is the follow up. But Chasing the Hill was supposed to get all this out of my system. So I was a huge West Wing fan. I really appreciated how it wasn't afraid to try to inspire and make people think about a sense of service when it comes to politics and that it's not just sound bites and fighting. So I made Chase in the Hill. Richard and I, you know, I wrote scripts. We'd, we'd read them in, in group. Oscar nominee Michael Tolkien was in the group. I mean, it's really an incredible group. And we would kick these scripts around. We worked on it. And then we filmed the first part of it. Matt Del Negro is in the, was in the West Wing. And he's one of the leads at Chase in the Hill. And we started filming it kind of in these little chapters. And then we released it as a 90-minute piece. And that was going to kind of do it. That was going to do it. But during the process of that, it kind of ended up being the R&D of, you know, running for office. And the more 
that you learn about this sort of thing, you kind of figure out, could you be a candidate and what tools are really needed to do that sort of thing? And, you know, entertainment and politics definitely has an intersection when it comes to just general awareness and creating a buzz and getting the word out about messages and campaigns and all that sort of thing. So after making Chasing the Hill and having it make just a, you know, a couple waves here and there, I wanted to try to jump in and run and I really enjoyed that process. You know, Mark Leibovich has become a friend of mine, but he wrote an article called The Real Housewives of Beverly, or no, The Real House Candidates of Beverly Hills about that race. And uh, Marianne Williamson starts the article and her and I became friends during that race and ended up helping her with her race as well before I joined Delaney's team. But, you know, I saw Mark here in Iowa just a few months ago. And he said, you know, Brett, you know, that was a pretty rough article on all you guys. I said, yeah, but you know, it's, it's also about creating awareness. You know, here I am standing on the, the deck of my, I had a, a big yacht there in Marina Del Rey. We had the New York Times said it was the first ever candidate regatta they'd ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I had a, my buddy Ken Davidian, is, it was in Borat and he was there and it was just a fun, fun day on the water and make it a run for politics. And you know, I'm I'm really, really an idealist when it comes to Congress, specifically the House. It, you know, it's a representative government. That's the name of the job. And it's supposed to be a mirror of the people from the district. And so I felt, you know, being a guy who worked in television in, in Los Angeles and Southern California, that I wasn't going to shy away from that. And I was going to put that into the race, into my campaign. But yeah, when I, I, I went through that in Chasing the Hill, to me, the Iowa caucuses have always been something that's interested me. I grew up in the Midwest and was looking for a possible change from Los Angeles. So came out here and made uh, According Des Moines, which is the follow-up to Chasing Hill about the caucuses, and then started talking to politicians. And I've been really grateful that, you know, people have kind of accepted that I kind of stepped back and forth into being participating in politics and then covering politics and then making fictional pieces about it. Because I hope that they realize it does come from a, a sense of service and trying to get people to cooperate and work together and figure out problems. And not everybody takes that approach. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have gotten. And I think that some of this comes through in the interviews. I mean, like, we're going to play a couple of clips from interview that you did earlier this month with David Young and Cindy Axney, who are running for the seat in the in Iowa's third congressional district. David Young first got elected in 2014, and he served two terms. He lost to Cindy Axney in 2018. He's back for a rematch. And this ability to kind of kind of chill people out a little bit, I think, works with in, in getting some possibly more fulsome answers. I work in the podcasting realm, and I think one of the strengths of this medium is that the people get more relaxed when they're in a conversation. And I think that that kind of comes through in some of these interviews too. You talk to Young, and again, this is all COVID really, you know, like in the age of COVID, right? So all the interviews are outside, but you talk to Young on the grounds of the Iowa State Capitol, which is just gorgeous. And you ask him this really, I like the way the question's framed about the time that he won, the time that he lost, and what it was like being a winner and going and, and what's like dealing with losing too. And we're gonna play your question lead in and also I just, his answer is really interesting. So the night of the election that you didn't make it back into, into the house, what'd that feel like? Were you surprised? Every election is different. It seems like maybe every day in politics is different as well. But I respect the will of the people and the people spoke and that's the process. And if you don't like it, 
tough. What he says about respecting voters and respecting their decision, that's a little different than we've gotten from the president of the United States recently, Donald Trump. He has not committed to a peaceful transfer of power. Were you struck at that moment that David Young, you know, this is a hyper-partisan time, David Young is like, I respect the, the will of voters. Well, a couple of things. First of all, David Young has always been a huge supporter of the show, and I'm grateful for that. His mom told me several years ago that the only time she watches him on television is when he's on my show because she knows that I don't have an agenda of trying to make him look foolish or get him caught out on something. And I think that does, you know, like you said, helps folks just talk and not be so worried about, you know, getting the exact right answer and kind of letting their guard down a little bit. And that type of politician, you know, you mentioned John Delaney, and not only did I work for John Delaney, I ran his Iowa presidential campaign. I'm a fan of John Delaney. You know, Bill Clinton calls him the smartest man in the room, smartest person in the room, I should say, and I agree with that. His background is incredibly impressive, but he looks at politics very much the way I do, which is that it is a a difficult endeavor, but he goes at it with a very pragmatic view of trying to figure out where the wiggle room is and, and how to meet in the middle. And that's it's much harder to do that. What I tell people is the folks on the ends on, of the political spectrum, they get the megaphone because they're saying the most outrageous things on the right and the far left. And to really figure out where things can happen, that's the, that's the hard and challenging work of, of politics. So yeah, I think David Young's answer goes to that moderate Republican, that moderate Democrat that can win in Iowa's third district. And I personally like politicians like that, that aren't afraid to say, I'm not looking for the Republican answer or the Democrat answer. I'm looking for the right answer. You know, David Young, he won a very challenging five-way runoff to get the nomination when he was elected the first time. And I think it's, you know, he's right. You know, the people spoke. I listened to the will of the people, he says. So the third district that he's running in, it's 16 counties. And he, basically the way it, it works is when he wins, he wins 15 counties. And the Democrat wins Polk County. And this last time, Cindy Axney won Polk County by enough that it outnumbered the 15 rural counties. So it's going to be a very close race. Should mention for our uh, for our listeners out there that Polk County is is Des Moines, and so that's like the big population center. Last thing I'll just add about Young. I'd met him a couple of times here in Washington when he was in Congress. But then last year at the Iowa State Fair, when I was except for roll call. I ran into him like several times and not just because he was at the pork producer's tent flipping pork chops and, and doing that political thing. Also because he was like hanging out with his buddies at the beer tent. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, and again, like you can fake it some of the time, but like when you're actually just like doing things regular people do and you look like that actually is what you're doing, not just like a photo op or whatever. Uh, yeah. it, it was something that stands in, in contrast to a lot of, manufactured stuff you know not well, getting and, into any preferences i'm just saying like he does fit the district because he's like of the district when uh, i hadn't seen him for a while when we did when we taped that interview in front of the capitol recently and i'm not talking out of school when he the first thing i he told me before we started rolling was my former boss is a really good guy and he was talking about john delaney you know john and his wife april when he was first elected to congress they bought a big house right by the capitol and they would have bipartisan dinners. And I think April told me they did like 50 of these events over his six years in Congress. And if you were, if you were an elected member of the house, you were invited. Mm -hmm. And that type of just, we don't care. There's no cameras here. We're going to talk. We're going to get to know you as people. When you look at the races that flipped, 
last time and did go, for instance, Republican to Democrat, they, they really weren't a lot of extreme Democrats. These were mostly moderate Democrats running on infrastructure, running on very kitchen table issues. And, and that's definitely Iowa's third district right now. It's, it's going to be a close race. And I want to get to Cindy Axney, the, the interview that you did on, for the show with her. And the, the next clip, I mean, we had to pull just because, you know, you said political theater and we didn't rehearse this. I did not pay off Roski to uh, say political theater, <laughs> just for a uh, you know, caveat out, out there for, for any skeptical <laughs> listeners. But you, you talk about this conversation that you'd had a few years back with Newt Gingrich and, and areas of where people could get some common ground. So let's listen to your question. One of the guests on the program was former Speaker Newt Gingrich, and he and I talked about political theater. Now that you've actually served some time in the U.S. House of Representatives, is it as bad as the news would say it is? Are, are the two sides as far apart as, as what we're led to believe? There's a lot of differences between the two sides in regard to some of these bigger issues. And right now what's happening as a result of COVID, we're seeing these inequities in this country just laid bare. And we realize that it's something that we have to be thoughtful of and work on. On the Democratic side, we're trying to push for some of those issues to have more support behind them, more support to making sure that our kids go back to school safely, more support for hospitals. And on the Republican side, they're looking at much more just shoring up relief, very straightforward and as minimal as possible. Listen, we should absolutely ensure that we're getting the best out of taxpayer dollars. But to do so during a pandemic, you ask any economist, this is not the time to cut back. We can work out what the expenses look like in the future. Let's make sure that we keep people alive right now. Not to be like grave, but we are in this like tough, we're in tough times right now. You know, we are living through a pandemic and, you know, she, she's in a tight race. You would think that like sometimes people would be tempted to not say <laughs> a hard truth, but she's like, no, there are actually some things that we just fundamentally disagree on. And that's the line. And I was just like, wow, that's again, very honest moment. First of all, I think the residents of Iowa's third district are very fortunate that you have got two nominees here that are incredibly quality public servants. Cindy Axney is just bulletproof when it comes to policy when it comes to experience when it comes to know-how as is David Young I mean he was Young was Grassley's chief of staff back in the day and and they both have just incredible backgrounds incredibly knowledgeable you know one of the other things you'll hear Miss Axney say in the interview is that when she goes in to give a vote and she looks up at the big board and sees you know California with 50 members and New York with 40 members, you know, 40 some odd members. And she's like, I have to be basically 10 people to get anything done for Iowa. She believes it, you know, down to her toes as David Young does. So they're both very strong. This district is both well served by either of them. But yeah, you know, again, it goes down to when people are on my show, I tell them, my first goal is that you want to come back. I, I'm not looking to throw a curveball and and make you look foolish it's about having a real conversation and um when you when you factor in the pandemic on top of the political polarization you just i really do feel for politicians right now not a, not every politician goes at this with the best of intentions that's sad but true but you know to just really keep going at it i know politics look was funner four years ago this when when I was covering the last race, you know, every every presidential candidate was on at least once. You know, Bernie Sanders is on my show ten times. Donald Trump was on seven times, and people were having fun. They were enjoying getting out there and talking to people. But now it's it's just gotten so bitter. 
in my very limited sphere of influence. I just, I hope that people will think about the ideas of servitude and working for the people and coming up with problem solvers. And that's not, that's not the sexiest thing in the world. And it doesn't make for good sound bites. But, you know, people forget that politics doesn't exist just to sell medical ads on cable news, that politics only exists to solve problems for the people and try to improve our lives. And if they're not doing that, they should stop. <laughs> and so, so anyway, yeah, I'm just grateful they were both on the show. So you're, we're coming down to the wire now uh, before election day. People are already voting uh, because of the, you know, like early, either early voting laws or absentee because, you know, there, there's some allowances for the pandemic. Um, you know, the, you've got a couple of other uh, tight, you know, house races going on. You got the Senate race between Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield, and you've got the very tight race between Trump and Biden. Like, what do you, what are you looking for in, in the in the stretch run here in your in your perches are on the ground eyes? Well, first of all, what I'm amazed by in the last just few weeks, how many more political signs have been put out in front yards. And it's not just one sign. If someone's voting Republican, they've got five races up there. Democrat, they've got five races up there. We're now seeing full-size Biden flags, not just Trump flags on flagpoles, but you got Biden flags up now too. And across the board, everybody in Iowa, you know, a lot of folks kind of treat me as the Iowa political bartender. They kind of steal me aside and say, well, here's how I really think. Or did you hear about that thing? What they've all said in some way, shape or fashion is that they're feeling political fatigue, that it's just too much, that whatever happens on the election, they just want it to get over with. And I personally hope that whoever wins, wins it by enough where some sense of finality. So we're not still arguing this in January, February, March. It doesn't go to Supreme Court and all that stuff. Ever since Trump got elected, they've been work, They've been talking about this election. And, and hopefully, whatever happens on November 3rd, we can start mending back these pieces. Because, you know, this, this is for real. <laughs> there was that great story out of New Zealand, why they say, you know, why are they so less polarized? And they said, well, they don't have any Murdoch-owned media there. <laughs> and that's really interesting to think about, you know, because I know for you work in campaigns, so much of your job is to, is to create outrage. It's to create anger. It's, it's that real seedy stuff when you realize that it's not about serving the people. It's about getting a bonus. And it's about getting your person elected so you know you can make more cash from the cottage industry of campaigning and it's disheartening and it's disappointing and so i'm just again hoping that uh, whatever happens november 3rd is is that it's as decisive as it can be well you've got a couple more shows for the election day people if, if they want to uh, catch up on previous episodes they can go to roski.tv live uh, in the in the des moines area it's on uh, abc and the lead up to right after george stephanopoulos this week on sunday morning yeah and i want to thank senator Joni ernst sent in a special video that we're going to play this week as well as candidate jd Schultons running for u.s house in the northwest part of the state so yeah definitely check it out roski.tv has got some of the episodes posted we just did a whole episode about uh, voices of the Black Lives Matter movement here in Iowa. Had uh, several elected officials and community leaders on that. So very, um, you know, grateful to all the folks uh, lending their voices to that show. You know, Jason, always great to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on your program. Great to hang out. And when all this is over, we shall get a beer. <laughs> or several. <laughs> or several. <laughs> Talk to you later. Take care, buddy. 